This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better it was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly so you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues including cuts scrapes burns sunburns rashes other types of skin damage it's totally safe non-toxic suitable on all types of skin even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin this is also safe for the young members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 484 with Dr. Alexandra Owensby. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 484. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. We are doing something really special this week and something we've never done before. We're going to run two interviews this week of two political candidates. And so these are two fantastic shameless moms who I've had the honor to be in connection with over the last couple months. And I'm so, so excited to share their stories, what has inspired them to run for office, what it's been like to run for office why you could run for office. I think this is going to light you up. This is going to get the wheels churning on what it looks like for a woman, for a shameless mom to run for a high political office such as Congress or Senate in 2020. So you're going to hear this week from two shameless moms. You're going to hear from Dr. Alexandra Owensby, who's running for Congress in Kentucky. And then you're also going to hear from Kelly Rose, who's running for the Senate in Georgia. And these women are strong and powerful and also they're imperfect, shameless moms just like you. And I'm really honored and excited to be sharing their stories. I'm so grateful for the time that they took off their campaign trail to have these conversations. I know that that was a sacrifice, a sacrifice that comes in the form of cost to family time and precious energy, especially as it's getting so close. I know also that early voting is open in Georgia and in Kentucky this week. So I wanted to make sure to get both of these episodes out in a timely manner so that if you are in Kentucky or Georgia in their districts that you could make an informed decision and vote for either of these candidates if they resonate with you. So make sure you listen to both interviews this week with these two amazing shameless moms and learn a little bit about what it's like to be a political candidate and a mom running for office. Dr. Alexandra Owensby is running for the congressional seat in Kentucky's 4th District. In addition to that, she's working at her local hospital during the pandemic. After leaving an abusive marriage, Dr. Owensby put herself through nursing school as a full-time single mother of two, utilizing student loans. While working the night shift to make childcare more affordable, she was able to minimize time away from her children. After graduating and earning her RN status, Alexandra obtained a position 
as an ICU nurse. Though still struggling to make ends meet with a salary below $40,000 annually, she was able to make it with the assistance from the Children's Health Insurance Program due to their $0 copays for medicine, dental care, and clinic visits. Dr. Owensby strongly believes that this type of health care is what all American families deserve access to. Alexandra's journey through hardship and the American education system inspired her to run for Congress as Kentucky's fourth district representative. She is not a politician born into money, nor is she a millionaire business owner looking to boost her image. Dr. Alexandra Owensby's story is the spark that moves an average American citizen to ask for the opportunity to lead in a city where most do not. I was so excited when the opportunity to interview Dr. Owensby came across my desk slash inbox, and I immediately said yes. We've never had the chance to interview a congressional candidate before, let alone a single mom running for Congress. So this was such an honor to have this conversation. And here's what I think is really interesting, fascinating, amazing, and empowering is that you're going to hear that really, truly anyone can lead at the highest levels. And there's so much room for women to get involved. And so I think you're going to feel excited and inspired by Dr. Alexandra's story. I'm very excited for you to hear it. Listen in to hear Dr. Alexandra Owensby share what inspired her to get involved in politics after being in the medical field, the unexpected gifts of running for political office and why you should do it, how moms are dropping multiple balls right now and why it's totally okay, why being a single mom who put herself through school to get multiple degrees makes her uniquely qualified to be a congresswoman, and how you can coach your kids to be more resilient during COVID. I think you're going to love this conversation. You're going to learn a lot. You're going to learn about what it takes to be a politician right now, what it takes to run for Congress. You're going to be excited and inspired and lit up. And I hope most of all, it inspires you to go vote. If you are in Kentucky in the 4th District, please go vote for Dr. Alexandra Owensby. If any of this resonates with you, share this episode with people that you know are in that area. And with all that said, I'm honored, excited, and really, really grateful to be introducing you to Dr. Alexandra Owensby. Dr. Alexandra Owensby, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited for this conversation. I am too. Thanks for taking the time to have me on and definitely call me Alexandra. Will do. So I have never had a congressional candidate on the show before. So this is very exciting and definitely an (laughs) honor. We will have a lot of fun. Well, thank you. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's so few moms running for Congress and that's one of the problems right now. Congress is only 6% of people in Congress have ever given birth before. And I think that that's a number that we have got to change. Yeah, that's problematic for sure. Holy cow. So I start every episode asking my interviewees, my guests, what they're excited about. And I'm imagining this is like a loaded question for you, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So tell us about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. So I'm not exactly sure what all you have in my bio, but I'm a full-time single mom. I've got two kiddos. I've been a full-time single mom for about seven years now. I put myself through three different degrees in the field of nursing. So, you know, I had been a stay-at-home mom. I did real estate from home, but basically a stay-at-home mom for a number of years. And then whenever I found myself on my own with the kids, you know, it's very hard as a mom to get back into the workforce after you've been out for a while. And so I ended up having to switch careers, which ended up being the best thing on the face of the planet for me because I love nursing. I love medicine. And it's really brought me to where I'm at today. You know, there's um, a quote that I really love is start by doing what's necessary and then do what's possible. And soon you'll you'll find yourself doing the impossible. Oh my gosh. And that's really kind of the story of my life is that, you know, whenever I left, I ended up working as a nursing aide for a while while I put myself through nursing school because we had to have some sort of steady income and real estate wasn't going to cut it. And so then, you know, all of a sudden, then all of a sudden, I found myself with my doctor's degree in the field of nursing. And now I find myself running for Congress. And so that quote just really resonates with me throughout my life because, you know, you start out with these baby steps and then all of a sudden you find yourself taking on these things that you never would have imagined in your entire life you could have done. Yeah, I was going to say, did you at any point have aspirations for political office when you were younger, when you were growing up? No, never. I always thought you had to be crazy to go into politics. And then I saw all these crazy people representing us in politics. And I'm like, well, we got to be able to do better than that. (laughs) Yes, yes. Oh, my gosh. So how do you go from working in the medical field to even being inspired to turn to politics? Well, you know, I think 
One of the interesting things about the past four years, right? I remember talking to people in 2016 in the primaries, and I heard so many people say that they really like Donald Trump and they really like Bernie Sanders. And at first I was like, okay, those are two polar opposites. How on earth can you like both of them? I don't get it. But you know what? I ended up figuring out it's because so many people are so tired of the political establishment, right? These people that were born into money, that were born into politics, and that had always done that and never been these real people that had had work outside of, you know, the political sphere. And we started seeing that. We started seeing characters like AOC that was a bartender that got elected to Congress. All of these real-life, real people that were working and kind of getting involved in the political sector because – they needed that experience in Washington, D.C. of the day-to-day normal lives of people. And so, you know, I watched everything that was going on. I'm from Kentucky, which, you know, is kind of known for having very terrible representation. I'm running against Thomas Massey, who has been called the most hated man in Washington, D.C. He was the guy that brought everybody back in the midst of the coronavirus. And so just watching everything going on over the past few years and watching everything with healthcare, you know, I mean, as a healthcare provider, I see patients every day that come into my clinic and say, my social security has been cut and I can't afford both my medicines and my food. And so I'm going to buy my food. So I need you to tell me what I need to do to be able to not take my medicines and stay out of the hospital. And, you know, we see stories like that. I saw somebody that came in with a couple different types of cancer and she really needed to stay in the hospital over the weekend for a biopsy. And her husband told me, you know, we've got a lifetime limit on our insurance and I know she's going to use that up. And what we have to do is we have to get there as slowly as possible. So I know it's going to take a little longer to get our diagnosis, but we're going to have to go because we can't afford to stay in the hospital three days. Seeing all of these stories of people over and over again that are so affected by our healthcare system and our broken healthcare system, it made me realize that we desperately need a change. And so I started talking to, you know, one of my friends that was in politics. And first thing that she said was, we need better representatives. We need better candidates running and then we'll have better representation. So I think, you know, as females, right, we never look at ourselves first. We always think, I don't know, isn't there anybody else that can do this? Like, let me find somebody. That's so true. Can someone else run for Congress for me? Because that seems real scary. <laughs> yes. So I started talking to all of my friends that I thought would be really great congresswomen. I've got a friend that's a Hispanic lawyer down in Miami, and I'm like, <laughs> you need to run. Like, you're a lawyer, you're Hispanic, you need to do this. And she's like, no, are you crazy? You know what they do to people that have run for like run for office? Absolutely not. And time after time again, you know, I heard that story. And the more that I started trying to talk all my friends into it, the more that I realized I was kind of the perfect person to do it, right? I had been in an abusive marriage, and my family is very conservative. So whenever I left my marriage, they decided that they were going to, you know, keep him on as their family member because they didn't believe in divorce. And so between the two of them, like, I kind of lost everything over that time in my entire support system. And so it's one of those things where I'm like, well, what are they going to throw at me that I hasn't already been throwing? it at me type of thing. So I'm like, well, I've already got pretty thick skin. Like, why don't I run and I'll show it to you guys that it's, you know, easy to do and that you guys can do it too. And that was kind of my main goal in the beginning was just, you know, inspiring other women to run. And it's been awesome to me. The number of people that have come up to me and said, you know, I've always been to run for school board. I thought I could do it. But then I see you as a full-time single mom and you're running for a federal office and it makes me think maybe I can. I'm like, yes, yes, you can. Like, I'll help you. I'll help you get there. <laughs> so that's been such an awesome thing to me. It's just seeing, you know, these women that are watching me and going, well, if she can do it. Maybe I could too, which is what I really, really wanted the most from this. I mean, oh my gosh, and real representation in Washington. But, you know, I think regardless, it's, you know, the movement. There's huge power to both of those things. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You know, the movement, like, you know, Bernie Sanders talks about all the time, the fact that he didn't win the 2016 primary, but he fundamentally changed the dynamics of politics, right? Because he did inspire all of these people to go out and get involved in the political system that had never been involved before. And I think that's something that we need to do. We need to make sure that we're inspiring these everyday people to go out and to be our representatives, right? Because Congress and the Senate were never made to be our leaders. They were made to be our representatives. And they can't represent us if they don't look like us, they don't think like us, and they don't face the same struggles that we face. Yeah, that's such an important distinction. I really appreciate that. So 
in my mind, the way that this works when one wants to be in Congress is that like you have to go through 27 to 37 layers of politics in order to qualify for that. And what I've learned from I actually just watched AOC's documentary recently. Okay. And I was like, oh, like you can just go from like working a normal job to running for Congress. Like there's not a ladder you have to climb. And I'm hearing this exact same thing in your story. So it's my understanding this is your first political office that you've run for. Is that correct? Yep, ever. Oh my gosh. I had no idea anything about like running for office before about two years ago. Oh my gosh. I'm so impressed by this because this is the thing that would absolutely stop me. But, and I think so many women or people, but I'm curious, did it, did you consider like, okay, I should start off with like my city council and like get my feet wet there and then move my way up? Or did you just immediately think like, no, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go straight to the top? Well, to be honest with you, so I, as I said, I put myself through three degrees as a full-time single mom, right? So I have a lot of student loan debt. And so honestly, I work between two to three jobs on a regular basis just to kind of make ends meet and um, all of that. And so whenever I started looking at things with running, honestly, it's a lot of the city council and a lot of like the state representative and the lower positions are more part-time positions. And, you know, you're going to take those on and it's going to be kind of like almost like a side job in the evenings, you know, it pays a little bit, but not that much. And the last thing that I need in my life right now is another side job. <laughs> and so <laughs> another part-time job, you know, I had to look at something where, okay, well, what's feasible for me to do? And still, you know, obviously one of my goals was to be there for my kids a lot. And so what's feasible for me to do that I could make a living that could support the children and me and, you know, still have not work every second of every day. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you've got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners 
listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS. S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S. AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. And so really the only way for me to do that was going at the federal level. Okay. And how old are your kids? So my daughter is 11 and my son just turned 14. Okay. So what does it look like when you have an 11 and a 14 year old and you're running this, I would assume, fairly large campaign? Are you working during this time? This might be like a really basic question, but I just am very curious about the logistics. I am working. You know, I mean... Yeah, no, I am working. It's a great question, right? Because I am working. And I did look at after we won the primary, does it make sense for me to take a complete leave of absence from my work to campaign? Because I do feel like we've got this perfect set of circumstances for me to win. And, you know, if I look back four or five years down the line and I go, well, you know, I kind of did it halfway because I was working and, you know, parenting. And so I didn't really have that much time to do it. I feel like it's something that I would regret for the rest of my life that I didn't go all in. So what I did was I talked to my work and I have, you know, in the hospital, it's really hard to get time off anyway. So I have a considerable amount of vacation time saved up. So I kind of talked to them and we're almost doing like a modified leave of absence. So they've been very flexible. They're very amazing about working with me. I used to work kind of this random schedule, but they've got me down now where I'm working. And COVID has also kind of really helped out with all of this, right? Because now I'm working every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because we're not doing in-person events anyway. You know, in a usual campaign, you would be doing all these parades and festivals and county fairs on weekends, but none of those are happening. And so I'm working every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then I'm using a lot of my PTO time. So I'm taking you know, a couple of weekends off each month. So I'm working fairly limited right now, but still technically on full-time where I can keep my insurance, which is great in the midst of a pandemic. <laughs> but um, the parenting thing, honestly, it was a lot more fun campaigning for Congress with kids prior to COVID <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, they could go to all of these events with me. And my kids love going places and getting fed. And so we would go to all of these places and people would buy us dinner or, you know, there'd be food there. And they love that. And, you know, we'd go and we'd participate in parades. And that's a big part of it is, you know, going to county fairs and, you know, participating in parades and throwing candy out of the car. And they really like that. But then obviously whenever COVID hit, the dynamics of the campaign just changed so drastically. And now even if you go somewhere, you know, there's no food there because nobody's sharing anything right now. You know, a lot of what I'm doing is Zoom calls and, you know, things that don't involve them anymore. So it's not that they get to go to these fun events and kind of learn stuff from it. It's, oh, mom's on the phone. Yep. <laughs> Again, type of thing. And so that has been, you know, for them kind of a downfall for it. I'm fortunate enough that, you know, since my kids are old enough to kind of do things with the campaign and help out. So my son's very into IT. And so he's been a huge help with my web page and designing kind of QR codes for me to scan and things like that so people can go to my donations page. So that's been a really fun aspect, it, at least, you know, a year ago, like I said, more so, of seeing them get involved in things and kind of seeing them learn about the politics and the events of everything. My daughter loves asking questions, any events that she goes to, and she used to always try to stand up and give a little bit of a speech of her own for a couple of minutes. And so seeing them kind of develop those skills of like public speaking. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we went to one where somebody was running for sheriff and she was paying close attention because she wanted to be able to ask a question at the end. <laughs> they were talking about all this stuff, like, you know, these reading programs where, you know, people wouldn't go into the GED and necessarily study for the GED, but they found that they could get women to read books and be part of a book club about women. And they got a local library to donate all these books to them. And then they started a book club. And that was a way that they were able to get women's reading proficiency up. And, you know, my daughter stood at the end. She's like, why isn't everybody doing this? This is such a good idea. And it's just kind of seeing them blossom in that way. It was so much fun and so exciting. And I look forward to that, you know, moving forward at some point. Hopefully we'll get back to something that looks like normal. Right, right. Oh, my gosh. What a powerful experience for your whole family that your kids can be a part of it in this way and that they're old enough that they'll remember it. That's 
just transformational for all of you. Yes, it has. It's been really exciting and really fun. And, you know, one of the cool things, too, about my district is that we have a very large district. So it spans 20 different counties in Kentucky, and it spans around the Ohio River. So we go from Louisville all the way up to the suburbs of Cincinnati, all the way over to West Virginia. And so it really is such a beautiful district, too. And it's been so fun kind of taking my kids and exploring all of these different parts of my district and getting to know the people and the town members and kind of what each area has to offer has been so exciting and so fun to do with them. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, and you've already shared a little bit of this, but what life experiences make you uniquely qualified to hold a seat in Congress? Well, I think the biggest one is healthcare, right? I mean, even prior to COVID, we know that our healthcare system is just fundamentally broken. It doesn't work for so many people. And so, you know, I think having that experience where you sit in front of patients every day and you hear about the challenges and you really see day in and day out where our healthcare system is broken and what it's going to take to fix it. I mean, I think that we can't just have these lawyers and businessmen going in to fix the system. You're going to have to get medical professionals in to really get a system that works and works well for all Americans, which is what we have to do. So I certainly think that's one of the things. I think, you know, the fact that I have worked two to three jobs throughout my life to kind of get me and the kids through, I think that recognizing that struggle and those obstacles that working women and particularly working moms have to overcome is so instrumental. I mean, like I said, with only 6% of Congress being mothers, they don't get the fact that, I mean, whenever we look at the women's salaries and why they're so much less than men's, the real place that they go down is after a woman has given birth. And that's whenever her salary goes down drastically and the father's tends to go up drastically. And it's because of all of these barriers and roadblocks. I mean, one of the things that I've said about the pandemic that I think has been absolutely phenomenal is the fact that so many companies are now allowing people to work from home. And for women, how amazing and instrumental is that? Because whether we like it or not, we tend to do the brunt of the child rearing and kind of family coordinations. And so, for instance, in my town, they don't bus to and from school. So you have to find a way to get your children to and from school. If they want to do any kind of extracurricular activities, you have to find somebody that can pick them up if you're a working mom that works, say, 9 to 5 or any of those type of hours. And so being able to work from home, that would give moms that flexibility that they could stay in their careers, that they could still be there for their children, they could pick them up from school, they could, you know, kind of work modified hours. And I think that is such an amazing and such a powerful thing for mothers, you know, moving forward, really. I mean, of course, there's a lot of single fathers out there, too. Don't get me wrong. But I think particularly mothers tend to be the ones that have to take the time off of work because daycare is so expensive. After school programs are so expensive. And we just want to be there. Right. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I think that, you know, there's not a lot of gifts in COVID, but (laughs) there are some. And I do think that one of them is like really looking at the different ideas around how work can be structured and how work can be structured in an office environment versus a home environment. And I totally agree with like the ways that it can, that it lends itself to mothering and working more cohesively. I also think it's great that dads are having to work from home in the middle of chaos. Like welcome to our worlds. (laughs) Every day, day in and day out. I'm like, I don't even feel a little bit sorry for you. (laughs) No, because I think it's so important that they see that because, you know, whenever they tend to go to work and then they get away from it all day long and then they come tend to come home and, you know, kind of watch their TV show and be like, oh, I'm working all day. I got to decompress type of thing. So it's like, welcome to our world. Yeah, I think that we're going to see a shift in like all the stereotypes because there's going to be a greater understanding. I think I'm hoping that there will be a greater understanding and a new level of empathy and compassion. Right. Well, I mean, also, how great is it for climate change, right? So whenever we look at the amount of pollution that's kept off of the roads for it, and we know that climate change is something that we have to address, and we urgently have to address it. What a great way to address it. I mean, you know, it saves people all of this time. Companies have seen that employees are actually more productive working from home. So I think that there's a number of different really cool things that can come out of it on that level. Yeah. Tell me about challenges of parenting while campaigning? Well, I mean, you and I briefly kind of talked about it with the, um, you know, in the, before we went on the air, but 
one of the big things is, you know, just keeping up with everything. I was actually talking to my primary opponent whenever she entered the race, and I was like, oh, let me tell you, like, campaigning, it's literally, like, I just have this guilt on my heart all the time about who am I letting down today? That's only an extension of typical motherhood, right? (laughs) I was going to say, I think as moms, we feel that all the time, right? But it's definitely more so. It's like, okay, well, sorry, I, you know, back in the pre-COVID days, oh, I let my kids teacher down because we, I got home from work, we went straight to an event, we were there until 10 o'clock at night, and then we were late to school the next day, and she didn't get her homework done because that's, that's who I let down that day. But, you know, it's just, you know, you still have the same number of balls, it's just, you know, you drop each one a little bit more frequently, probably, would be the thing with parenting in it. But, you know, like we talked about, there's also some really cool things about it too and I think that it's really great for you know my kids in general right for my daughter to see her mom doing these things and doing these very ambitious things and also for my son to see me doing these ambitious things because I think that that kind of instills a lot more respect for women and kind of a more oh yeah women can do anything type of thing which I think we need more of in today's world. Yeah. So I love the idea of because I think that so many women listening and considering running for political office think, well, I don't have time to add something else to my plate. And I love the idea of just thinking, well, but I'm already dropping some balls. So if I want to really prioritize like how I stand in my core values or how I speak up and use my voice or how I represent how I lead in a community or become a representative of a community, it's just a matter of deciding like which different balls you want to drop and what like always just knowing that that's part of the process. And that that's always part of the quote unquote game, I guess, is that and so then deciding like, okay, is this important to me? Or is this a core value I want to prioritize at this time in my life? And I'm just going to choose different balls to drop right now so that I can make this a priority. And, you know, I mean, honestly, we eat out a lot more than ever before. We eat pizza a lot more. I actually have one of my friends that's a supporter of my campaign brings over two meals a week for me. And that is the most amazing thing because I don't always have time to cook and clean and everything afterwards. And so that is like the most phenomenal gift. And it's funny, like whenever she first started doing it, my I was telling my kids, I was like, she's going to bring over some meals and, you know, we'll cook them. And they were like, you mean it's like Grubhub, but it's free? <laughs> Yes, it is. And now every Monday morning, whenever she drops them off, like they both wake up super early in the morning and they're like, our Grubhub is here, our free Grubhub. And get so excited. But you know. That's amazing. So we eat out a little bit more. So our house isn't as clean. You know, I mean, sometimes my daughter didn't always have her homework done the next day. But what I had to look at was the balance of what we were getting in place of that. And, you know, the fact that my daughter was getting to go to all of these different community events, that she was getting to see people govern. My son was getting to go and, you know, work on web pages, see how politics works, see what the ins and outs of it are, and see how our political system is formed. Because that's something that, unfortunately, we don't really teach in school much, right? How many kids have to go to a city council meeting, a school board meeting, any of this stuff where they see what decisions are made. And the more that, you know, I get into politics and especially at the federal level, the more that I have such a deep respect for state and local level politics, because that's really right now where a lot of decisions are being made. And that's where it's so important. I mean, the federal government is just deadlocked on so many different levels right now that the state's and the cities are having to make these decisions. And, you know, I'd never really paid a whole lot of attention to local politics before, but getting involved in politics, I realized how so important those aspects are and where we really need to be getting our kids involved from a very young age so they recognize that as well. Absolutely. In fact, prior to COVID, I will be the very ignorant person to think like, governors don't really do that much, do they? And then like in COVID, (laughs) I'm like, oh my gosh, these governors really have their work cut out for them. Oh, the superheroes. And you know, it's funny in Kentucky, we had our first Democratic governor in a while. And the poor guy took office like a couple months before COVID hit. I'm like, man, I can't even imagine like you're just really learning the job. And then all of a sudden, like, everything just falls on your plate nonstop. And I'm like, I have so much respect for that guy because of the way that he's handled everything because it has, it's been this impossible time. And you're right. (laughs) I would have been the same way, but now, you know, since the federal government hasn't mounted much of a response, it's been completely on the governors. It's been completely on the mayors and states where the governors haven't done much. And so that just goes to show how important it is 
that you do pay attention and get involved in local politics, even at the city level, at the county level, at the you know school board level, because all of those things are crucial. Yeah. I love you pointing out your kids, you know, how often do kids go to school board meetings and how often do your kids see the insides of anything political? And it makes me think of how, like, you know, in my case as a child, the answer would have been never. And without that, that all seems very unreachable and like just a whole nother world that I can't understand or relate to. And it feels very untouchable. And for children who have some exposure to that, I would imagine, I mean, clearly in the case of your kids, it's like, well, if they just see you doing this, this now seems like this normal thing that moms do. But even outside of a parent running for Congress, to have any sort of exposure to politics or government agencies and government offices, I think makes it all seem like it's within the realm of normalcy that anyone can be involved in it. And that's not how I grew up. I grew up thinking it was very like distanced from where I was at. Well, and that's exactly it, is it? And especially, you know, if you start going to those things and you get to know the people, right, then you get to realize that they're normal, everyday people like the rest of us. I mean, you know, same thing with me. I'm this normal, everyday person. I'm a hot mess half of the time, like most, <laughs> I think, parents are. And, you know, it's there's nothing special about me that you know, makes me be the Democratic nominee for Kentucky. It's just I stepped up to the plate and I was willing to put the work in. And I think that anybody that, you know, is willing to step up to the plate and put that hard work in and has that dedication can make a difference in their community, can make a difference in their state, their city, and their world. Absolutely. What do you do to make sure all areas of your life, it's like parenting, healthcare, campaigning, get the attention that they need? Because we do talk about like dropping the ball, but there's still a lot of really crucial things. <laughs> that you have going on. Yeah, there are. And so, I mean, you know, you just have to, just like with anything, right? I mean, I think all of us as parents, whether you're running for office, whether you're working full-time or not, you have a number of different things that you need to really do. And, you know, one of the things that people say to me all the time is, oh, I don't know how you're doing this as a as a single parent. And I'm like, oh, I don't know how people that are married do it. Because, <laughs> you know, I don't have a husband that I have to pay attention to. Yes. I don't have a husband that's going to be mad if I'm not spending enough time with him or if I'm on the phone too much. And so, you you know, it's one of those things where it's a blessing and a curse all at the same time, but it's, you know, one less ball to drop on that level anyway. And so certainly, you know, it does make some things harder, but it does make some things easier. I mean, you know, it's 2020, right? Like I haven't been to the dentist all year because of COVID, <laughs> you know, I haven't been to a doc. I mean, I do have a tele-doctor's visit coming up, but you know, it's kind of one of those things where you just kind of really pick out the things that are most important that particular day. And I very much live, you know, people will ask me, hey, what are you doing next week? What does your schedule look like? I mean, honestly, I don't know. I don't look more than a couple days in advance because I'll just get so overwhelmed. <laughs> so I just like every single day, what do I need to do? What has to get done at the bare minimum today in order for us to move on to tomorrow and still have all of our balls in the air? And, you know, that's what I just tried to do. And I mean, right now, let's be honest, in 2020, it doesn't do you good to look too far ahead anyway, because everything changes every single day, it feels like. And so, you know, you just live one day at a time and get done exactly what you need to on that day. And then the next day you do the same thing again until you get through to a point where it gets a little easier. Yeah, exactly. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.
When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. I also think that you put yourself in a, so you've found yourself in situations where you've had to be adaptable and figure things out. And then you've chosen to put yourself in situations where you've had to be adaptable and figure things out. So you have, I actually, have you heard about the adaptability quotient assessment? Is that familiar to you at all? I have not. Okay. This is like new on my radar. So we have the IQ, the intelligence quotient, we have EQ, emotional intelligence and quotient. And then we have now this adaptability quotient. And I'm the name of the person who came up with it is not in the top of my head right now. But anyways, it's basically this like assessment that you can take that and it's typically used in corporate environments. But I think it's fascinating for moms because it's an assessment that you take that rates how adaptable you are. And I think there's like nine questions on that you rate on a scale of one to five. So what's fascinating to me about this assessment is that and what they're seeing in corporate is that the more that, you know, the higher your AQ is, then the more you can be supportive of different corporate environments and supportive of growing corporate environments and success in corporate environments. Well, I think moms naturally have higher AQs because we have to be more adaptable. And I'm looking at your story and this timeline that you have of like being in an abusive relationship, having a family not be supportive of you, leaving that relationship, putting yourself through multiple degrees and now running for political office, like your AQ has to be off the charts. <laughs> so now you're qualified and marketable to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, that's what they always say, right? The only constant thing is change. And I think that's so true. And especially like you said, as moms, you know, I mean, you know, we always, those of us with more than one kid, it's like, you have your first kid and you're like, I'm the perfect parent because this kid does this, this, and this. Totally. And then you have the second kid and you do the exact same things. It's got the exact same genes, but it does things completely opposite. And you're like, oh, never mind. Apparently it is nothing that I did completely right. It's just luck of the draw. And then, you know, you have to learn a whole new way of parenting. I mean, you know. My daughter is very much the socialite, and so even prior to COVID, she did regular school, but my son did homeschool. You know, he is incredibly gifted, but he's also very incredibly ADHD, and so he was beyond annoying in public school to people because he would get super bored, he would act out in class, he would get bullied all the time because, you know, he didn't have anything in common with his peers, really, and it was a terrible situation for him. So even though I had two kids from the exact same parents, the exact same genes, raised in the exact same environment, they were polar opposites in that aspect. And so, you know, I had to look at each kid and go, what works for you and what works for you? And that's okay if those are different things and we can accommodate whatever it is. And so I think that, you know, as parents, we just do that all the time, right? On a number of different levels. Yeah, absolutely. What do you want other moms to know about running for political office? And what would you tell a mom who's considering getting involved in politics? So first of all, that it is easier than it seems. And that the, I mean, it is scary, right? Because you think, what are people going to say about me? What if they find out all of my deepest, darkest secrets? And will people still like me? Whatever. But I mean, one of the coolest things about it is that I have found such an amazing support system through it. And you know, whenever you're running, you find these people that'll stand by you no matter what. And you find, you know, people come out of the woodwork to support you and be there for you and be there for your family. And you will grow so many connections and so many deep friends that have similar values to you than you ever imagined. And it's such a rewarding, I mean, it is scary, but it's also fun to challenge yourself. And, you know, know that you confronted your fears and that you stepped out 
and that you did what you needed to be there for your society and to be a great example to your kids. So I would say it's easier than it looks for sure, and it's definitely way more rewarding than it looks. I love that. And I love your point because I'm constantly saying this to moms. I love your point around you're going to form relationships with like-minded people that are going to be really deep and strong. Because I think that one of the things that happens in motherhood is that some of our long-term relationships, we start to feel cracks in them. And I think just our time is so valuable. Our energy is so valuable in motherhood. And so I think some of our longer standing relationships, either they get stronger or we're like, I don't have time for this. anymore. (laughs) This is just not worth it to me. And then we often find ourselves without a network of like-minded moms who share values or who we can really feel deeply connected to. And I would imagine that that's just a huge gift of being in this very unique and intense environment that you do feel create bonds with people. And it allows you to attract the people who will be like your ride or dies forever. And it probably also allows you to repel some people who you're totally fine with repelling as well. (laughs) Exactly. And you know, I think the other really important thing to point out about it, right, is that as moms, we tend to put our dreams and desires on the back burner. And we tend to just focus on our families completely and think, well, I can just get taken on the stuff that I want to do later, but then we never do, right? And so I think the important thing is, is that if that's something that you feel inspired to do or that you feel driven to do because you feel like there's a need in your community, your kids will respect you for it and they will get so excited about, you know, watching you achieve your dreams and that will help motivate them whenever they are parents themselves to make sure that they are also taking time for themselves and that they're also embracing their dreams. I think that too many of us, whenever we become moms, we tend to lose ourselves and our identity. And I think that that is a terrible thing and it's a very lonely and isolating thing that happens to us. And I think that running for office is a great way to really kind of step out and say, you know what, I am strong and I am amazing and I can help stand up for other people and help this community. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So as Congresswoman, how will you, and I have to point out when pre-recording, you said, well, when I take office, um, November 3rd, and you use when, not if, but when, which I love. So (laughs) when you are Congresswoman, how will you use your voice to help other parents? So I think, you know, part of it, like we talked about, is just kind of by modeling exactly what it is and by, you know, seeing what I go through. I mean, you know, AOC, whether you love her or hate her, and I know there's people on both sides of the fence, it is an inspirational story, right, that she went from bartender to congresswoman. And so, you know, you know, if you look at Katie Porter, who was a full-time single mom, all of these moms that step up to the plate and run for office and get elected and win, it's an inspiration to more and more everyday people that they can do the same thing. And then certainly, you know, as we talked about with, you know, only 6% of Congress being moms, if we had more moms in Congress, then pregnancy would never have been a pre-existing condition. (laughs) Childcare would have been taken care of years ago. But because we don't have moms in Congress, we don't have a voice to kind of help parents out and somebody that understands, and not just moms, I guess, but working and middle-class moms that really understand the challenges that we go through, you know, and trying to make sure that we are building a good life for our families, knowing that it is so hard to make a living in today's society and to make a good living and keep up with the Joneses with your kids. And we really do have this kind of competitive society where, If your kids aren't involved in five different sports, then you're a terrible parent and things like that. And so I think the more that we get the working and the middle class moms up there representing us, the more that that's going to become normalized that, no, my kids don't take part in sports. You know why? Because I work three jobs and I can't get them to and from places. (laughs) And so I think that, you know, that's going to be so important is just for people to see that example and to be able to work for those things they need to, you know, overcome in order to really build a great life for their families. Yeah, I love it. How do you want to support the unique challenges moms are facing right now with COVID, homeschooling, working from home while homeschooling, all of those things? Right? I mean, I guess just say, give yourself some grace. I mean, we're we're all going to drop the ball. We're all going to get frustrated right now. And that's just, that's honestly 2020 this year, but know that everybody else is in those exact same shoes as you. 
and we're going to get through this together. And, you know, your kids are watching you and they're modeling you. And one of the things that's really great about kids, right, is that they are very adaptable naturally. They're very good at overcoming adversity. As long as they see you being a positive influence about it. You know, I mean, my daughter is just, she was supposed to start middle school this year. She's devastated because she'd always wanted a locker her entire life. You know, she plays these Roblox games where they go to... I mean, that is the most important. That's like the only important thing from middle school, by the way, is the locker. That's it. She wanted a locker. I think she wanted to change classes, too. So she was really excited. Okay, yeah. It's ironic because she actually really didn't like in-person school. She would always cry and say it started too early, which it does. (laughs) But, um, you know, she, we made the decision as our family. And, you know, I think, again, this is a very personal decision and dynamic that, you know, whatever you decide is your family, you're you know your family best and it's right for you. Whether you're going back in person, whether you're going back online, I think that whatever you make, that we all love our kids and we all want the best for them. And then I think that what's the right situation, right call there just varies family per family. But for us, it was for her to do online virtual school. And so she's been devastated about doing that. But, you know, one of the things that I tried to do is just tell her, hey, you know what, it's really exciting though because you can sleep in. She always jokes around that she's nocturnal because she likes to stay up all night long (laughs) over the summer and play video games with her friends, (laughs) you know, and so just kind of really emphasizing the positive at every step of the way with them because they really feed off of our emotions. And if we say this is terrible, this is the worst situation ever, then they're going to feed off of that. Whereas if we're like, oh, yeah, I haven't brushed my hair in five days. Isn't this fun? This is great. Wouldn't it be great if real life was like this all the time type of thing, you know? Right. Yeah. And it's like coaching resilience to be able to make, to support our children in finding the silver linings, which also forces us to find silver linings. So, and you know, I mean, we talked about kind of like the silver linings with COVID, right? And one of the interesting things about it is that we become so innovative throughout it, right? And so all of a sudden, you know, like I said, my son's actually done public online schooling for a while, but now all of a sudden it's becoming a lot more commonplace and we're going, okay, well, maybe this is a way to do things. Maybe this is a possibility. You know, we're seeing all of these businesses. I, I know I was talking to one of my good friends owns a pizza restaurant in my town, and she was so worried the day that all the restaurants shut down. She's like, I don't know how we're going to make it. We can make it maybe two weeks, but if it goes longer than that, I just don't think we can stay in business. But what they found was all of a sudden, because there were a lot of people like me that were super stressed out during this, you don't want to go grocery shopping. So people ended up ordering a lot more to-go food. And one of the things that the server said was, you know, nobody used to tip on to-go food before, but now everybody wants to help keep us afloat, so they're tipping 15 20% on to-go food. And they're like, actually, my income's gone up during COVID. And I'm like, yay, good for you. But I think we have just seen society completely change during this time. And it's been, you know, really interesting, some of the stuff that's come out of it. You know, I mean, one of the problems in my district is we've got a lot of rural communities. And those rural communities are very much dying because people are moving away from them to go and get jobs at big cities and big corporations. But again, if we can get people working from home and we can kind of normalize people working from home, then you can live in Ashland, Kentucky, and you can work in Silicon Valley and you can stay in your community. Your kids can stay in your community. Your kids can build their lives there and raise their kids there and still have access to good paying jobs. And so, I mean, you know, we look at in the healthcare community, all of a sudden telemedicine, nobody did telemedicine before COVID, but now we are on a regular basis. And all of these people that work Monday through Friday, nine to five jobs, they can't take time off of work, they can't afford the bus to go to and from their doctor's appointments, that takes another couple hours each way. You wait at the doctor's appointment for three days or for three hours, it's a full day off work. But now with telehealth, it really revolutionizes that. I mean, as a healthcare provider, I look at it and I go, and that is amazing. If we could get telehealth down, I could possibly as a healthcare provider, work from home at some point and work evening. So maybe I could be there with my kids while they're doing their online schooling and then work for a few hours in the evenings whenever it's more convenient for people anyway. So we're seeing all of these really innovative things that I think are really going to form society moving forward and I think are very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And it also, like, to some extent, I'm like, how have we not already thought about this? Like, <laughs> Like, did we really need a pandemic to make us see that this is a possibility? (laughs) 
apparently we did. I mean, it's a whole inertia thing, right? The whole objects in motion tend to stay in motion unless acted on by an equal and opposite force. And I think that's very much how we are. We're like, no, this is the way we're doing things because this is the way we've always done things. And it did take something like COVID to really come and push us back and be like, oh, wait, time out. Maybe there's other ways of doing things, you know? Yes. So funny. Okay. Tell us, how are you currently showing up as a shameless mom? As a shameless mom, define... So you get to choose however you want to decide whatever shameless mom means to you. <laughs> so it might be like that you, you know, don't shower regularly anymore. It might be that you let your kids have tons of screen time. It might be that you don't cook dinner <laughs> or it could be something else. I like how you added anymore. I know it doesn't need to be specific to COVID life. <laughs> it can just be how you're showing up as a shameless mom and everyone interprets it differently. And so you get to pick. <laughs> say the vast majority of my zoom calls I end up doing outside because my house is not in a state that I could do zoom calls inside of my house and it gets really awkward whenever it starts raining outside and I'm doing interviews and they're like do you want to go outside and I'm like nope I'm good <laughs> so totally fine right here you know that is definitely one of the balls that has dropped during campaigning is just you know I just don't have time to do that housework and people are like you know you could just like pick one corner of your house and try and keep it clean I'm like oh sounds like a lot of work (laughs) I feel like that also goes back to like the silver linings of being a single mom where you're like there's no one really here to judge anyways (laughs) like inside the house yes that's it like if I can do zoom outside and there's no partner coming in the house and friends aren't coming over because of COVID so who's gonna judge (laughs) that's it I, I mean I will say I mentioned my son's very ADHD. Apples do not fall far from trees. And so I've never been the cleanest person in the world naturally. <laughs> and <laughs> yes, COVID has certainly made it worse than being a single mom as well, because I'm just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> so. Oh my gosh. So good. So good. Okay. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Alexandra. How can people connect with you, find you, vote for you, all the things? So my website is www.a as in Alexandra, M as in Marie, Owensby, O-W-E, N as in Nancy, S as in Sam, B as in boy, Y, dot com. So that's my website, and they can contact me through my website. They can find me on ActBlue if they want to donate by searching for Alexandra Owensby. And they can vote for me if they're in the 4th District of Kentucky. They can. Fortunately, it's very exciting. We've never had mail-in voting or early voting in Kentucky. But this year, we are going to have mail-in voting for about a month beforehand. And then early voting as well for a month beforehand. And then, of course, they can vote on Election Day. So... Awesome. Oh my gosh. So good. So we will have that all linked up in the show notes so that people can find you easily and support you. Thank you so much for being here. This was amazing. And this is, I know, going to inspire other moms to get involved in politics in many different levels. And I think it also just really normalizes like who is qualified and who and what a candidate can look like. And like, it's not this pie in the sky thing that's totally out of reach. It is. And I love you talking about, you know, like anyone can be a representative and we need representatives really badly right now. So thank you. Thank you for being here and showing us what is possible and how we can do it. And there's a number of different training sessions out there. And so certainly if anybody is interested and has questions and doesn't feel like they know how to move forward, please just send me an email because that is one of the reasons why I wanted to run was to kind of inspire more women and particularly more moms to run. So send me an email and I can help link you up with some of the training sessions that I did to kind of moving forward. I love it. Thank you for that. That's a really generous offer to invite people to reach out to you. Thank you so much for being here. Wishing you all the best. Can't wait to see you in office after the 3rd of November. And I'm going to be keeping a close eye on you to see what happens. You'll have to come visit and we'll do a podcast. Oh, that would be so fun. From your office in DC. I can't wait. (laughs) And Capitol Hill. It was such a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued 
over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.